Let's freaking go. Welcome to Fin It to Win It. I am your host, Kyle Krabs of the Dolphins Wire, USA Today Dolphins site, also an NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com. And we have had a busy week. You know, league meetings were this week in Arizona, and coming into the league meetings, you know, free agency's happening, and you're sitting around, you're watching all these teams trade for all these players, sign all these players in free agency, and it's the first year in a really long time that the Dolphins haven't been super active in that capacity, and I just feel like I'm sitting on my hands, you know, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for something to happen. It's been a quiet start to the offseason, and some of that's strategic, right? Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick signing a really big kind of shift, and I'll tell you this, it's going to be fun to have a quarterback It's got a set of cojones on him in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Tannehill, uh, pretty conservative with the football. Uh, His turnovers seem to always come at bad times. Look at the Cincinnati game. As unfortunate it is to bring it back up and rehash those memories. But by and large, Ryan wasn't a turnover machine. But he wasn't a guy that hit kill shots down the field with any level of consistency. Getting Ryan Fitzpatrick is just going to be some... Such a great deviation away from the quarterback play that we're used to seeing. It's probably going to result in a lot more turnovers. Uh, I do the Draft Dudes podcast as well, five days a week. And I had uh, referenced this with my co-host Joe Marino. I had said, listen, I bet Fitzpatrick throws, I'm going to set the over-under at 18.5 picks for Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2019, just because I think he's going to be aggressive. Uh, The offensive line is something that uh, Brian Flores has openly said. He said it again at the uh, the league meetings this week. He said, we are going to fix this offensive line. As I look at the the next couple months for the Dolphins, I really think they're going to continue to play quiet through the draft as far as free agency. And uh, there's some speculation. Nobody really knows the specifics of the uh, the comp pick formula, but that's one of the reasons Miami's been so calculated, right? They lost Jawan James in free agency, record-setting contract, and what's at stake there is if you sign too many players, you negate a, a free third-round pick, not a free third-round pick, but you negate a third-round pick that you could acquire for your football team because Jawan James walked in free agency to go play in Denver and be the highest-paid right tackle in football, which, by the way, if you've missed earlier shows, that's dumb to pay him that kind of money. I digress. So uh, Miami has kind of been calculated with being quiet and their signings to this point in the free agency window. Uh, after the draft, it seems to be that that's the hypothesis is when the compic formula stops. So as teams start cutting after June 1st, you get into training camp, the roster cuts get down. This roster is going to churn. They're going to put a lot of fresh faces in this locker room. It, it all comes down to the the culture rebuild. You can't retain a poor culture and expect a new culture to be born from those same players. It's just 
a fact of life. So uh, the signing in the offensive line that they've made thus far is Chris Reed. I would expect they're going to target at least one, if not two, offensive linemen within the first few rounds of the 2019 NFL Draft. Uh, look for potential tradeback options if they don't feel like there's a blue-chip player there at 13. Um, I think that's that's my dream scenario, right? Because I don't see Drew Locke. I don't see Dwayne Haskins. Kyler Murray ain't going to get to us, and I, I still have questions about Kyler Murray, honestly. And um, I don't see any of these players being that long-term answer for the Dolphins. So if you don't have those players at your disposal, then you may as well set yourself up, build the rest of this roster, use this as a foundational year, exactly all the things that the Dolphins have been talking about. And... Um, that's something that, that I think needs some clarification. It's also something I wrote about over at uh, Dolphins Wire talking about Miami's master plan. Okay, People think the Dolphins are tanking going into 2019. Stephen Ross has said the team's not going to tank. Chris Greer has said the team's not going to tank. Brian Flores said the term tanking is disrespectful to the game of football. He said football le- leveled the playing field for him. And yet everybody wants to think that the Dolphins are going to tank. Why? Because they got rid of Ryan Tannehill for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a better quarterback, arguably. And they let 37-year-old Cam Wake walk and let Juwan James walk instead of paying him the richest contract. Like these moves, they're just like prudent financial moves. And it was time to move on at quarterback. It's not like they're bombing. The Dolphins' master plan, and this was the article, and the thesis of the article is this. uh, It involves a lot of draft picks, not a lot of losses. Really, when it comes down to it, uh, if they're going to stink, they're going to stink because it was necessary to get rid of these poor financial decisions and poor personnel decisions that they've made over the course of the last couple years. Not because they want to, but because it's necessary. So you may take a step backwards as a football team, But I don't think they're intentionally trying to tank. I think, listen, the Dolphins just traded Robert Quinn. I know I'm getting into multiple layers here simultaneously. But like I said, it's been a busy week. So the Dolphins traded Robert Quinn yesterday, on Thursday, to the Dallas Cowboys for 2020 sixth-round pick. Not great, right? But here's the deal. The Dolphins were willing to pay part of Quinn's salary in 2019 to get the future pick. They couldn't agree to that. So Dallas said, we'll just restructure his contract and to hell with his salary. You don't need to pay any of it. So the Dolphins flipped Quinn for a sixth-round pick at the expense of a $1.1 million roster bonus that was due like the fourth day of free agency. Overpaid? Maybe a little bit. But you got something. And you got a sixth-round pick in 2020. So let's talk about those 2020 picks. You've got a first, a second, You've got a third. You've got another third from the Juwan James comp pick. You've got a fourth. You've got another fourth from the Ryan Tannehill trade. You've got a fifth. You've got another potential fifth in the Cam Wake comp pick. You've got a sixth. Now you've got another sixth in the Robert Quinn trade. You've got a seventh. And you've got another seventh from a August trade in 2018 for Jordan Lucas to the Kansas City Chiefs. So third round and later, the Dolphins right now have two picks in every single round. Now add a trade back from 13 to the late 20s and get a a first round pick next year too. You can literally do whatever you want as far as moving up and down the board. I understand 
Kyle, what happens if a team is picking first and needs a quarterback? They're going to take a quarterback. Two things. There's more than one team that is going to be taking a quarterback in this year's class. You don't know what those quarterback dynamics are going to look like. Second of all, there's more than one quarterback that's going to be available in this year's class. You don't know if Tua Tagovailoa might go back to school. I know the Dolphins really like Justin Herbert. So having... Don't marry yourself to a plan 14 months out. The Dolphins are putting themselves in a situation where you can build the foundation of the roster, and when you identify the time to strike, you strike because you have the assets to do so. Don't marry yourself to the idea of a single player. Don't do it because the team's not going to do it. The team is going to look at information as it comes, opportunities as they arise, and they are going to make a calculated decision on who they want to tie themselves to. When they identify that player, they will get the job done. I promise it. So don't freak out. I'm also going to promise you this. You guys are going to be spending some money this fall because the Miami Dolphins are unleashing an alternate uniform. Thank Goodness, alternate jerseys, new alternate jerseys for 2019. And my vote immediately goes to white versions of the throwbacks that we've been wearing in recent years. Because if they do that, I'm going to give it over under a year and a half before they go back to those damn things full time. These jerseys are beautiful. The field is beautiful. The throwback helmets are beautiful. And look, I liked the new uniforms when they came out. I like the Stormtrooper look, the all-white. These teal pants they wear right now, they're trash. Gotta go. When's the last time the Dolphins won in teal pants? Don't look that up. It's probably more recently than I want to give them credit for. But the, the throwback uniforms, they're clean, they're fresh. Give me a white version of that. Give me a white version of that so I can buy a throwback Dan Marino. Please. Or an offer doll. Please, a Clayton, a Duper, a Dewey. I don't care. Those things, they look fresh. It's a retro look. It's clean. That's my hope, my prey. I hope we don't see anything orange. I hope we don't see anything navy blue. Just give me the white throwbacks. That was probably the most exciting news of the week. Finding out that we got another alternate uniform. I'm a big uniform snob. I really subscribe to. You got to look good to play good, right? Just ask the Patriots. Speaking of the Patriots, happy trails, Rob Gronkowski. Announced he was retiring at the beginning of the week. We hate to see you go, Rob. We really do. Uh, you and your 10-3 and record uh, on the field against the Dolphins whilst you've played us. Uh, but funnily enough... That's the worst record Gronkowski has against any of the teams in the AFC East. I believe they're 13-2 and against the Bills when Gronk plays. And they're 12-3 and against the Jets when Gronk plays. 10-3 and against the Dolphins. And 0-1 in their last one. Rob's legacy in Miami. I don't care about the rest of the league. I don't care about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Rob's going to be the worst safety in the NFL when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame in five years, provided he doesn't come back and do spot treatment. Rosenhaus has already said, eh, if the Pats call Gronk next November and say they need him, 
he might come back. Well, great. Just make sure the Dolphins games are over with. I don't ever want to see that guy on the field ever again. Um, Let's see here. I got all my notes laid out. I pulled out like 10 articles from Dolphins Wire this week. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the draft. Let's talk about Mississippi State. Reggie McKenzie was at the Mississippi State Pro Day. Uh earlier in the week, I believe it was Wednesday. And Mississippi State, if you're not familiar, they have kind of three high-profile prospects, two that are of, of relevancy to the Dolphins. You have uh, Jonathan Abram, the safety, ran 4-4, No, he ran 4-5, I think. Um, big hitter. Not a guy that's super great in like the deep portions of the field, but like an imposing guy when he comes down crashing in the line of scrimmage. You've got Jeffrey Simmons, who tore his ACL, unfortunately, but he also had like a really ugly off-the-field incident that I think gave him some potential to drop in the draft. So between that off-the-field incident that involves him striking a woman on video multiple times and the ACL, uh, Simmons ain't going round one. I'd be stunned if he does. But if Miami really wants to make the play for 2020, you can get a guy who has on-the-field tape of a top-10 player, top-15 player, in Jeffrey Simmons, potentially at 48, and redshirt him for 2019, bring him back in 2020. Winst, you're ready to compete, hopefully with a rookie quarterback. And uh, Montez Sweat, obviously being the other one of note for the uh, the Miami Dolphins, I, I don't think Sweat is really in play for the Dolphins. Uh, I think Sweat's somewhere between four to Oakland, six to, or I'm sorry, seven to the Giants, six to the Giants, nine to the Bills. There's a lot of landmarks that Sweat would have to fall past. And for a guy who tested as well as he did, I, I find it very hard to believe that he will end up being there uh, for the Miami Dolphins with the 13th pick. And again, it's kind of come down to, is a blue chip player there? Is a Montez Sweat there? Is a Brian Burns there? Is an Ed Oliver there? If those guys aren't there, trade back. Get that extra first round pick. I don't care. Trade back 15 spots. Go to the late 20s. Maybe you get a one and a two. Who knows? Depends on how desperate they are. Before we go any further... I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor for the show, Ethos Life Insurance. GetEthos.com. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there is no medical exams for policies under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy reps. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Get ethos.com 
want to talk about one more draft-related topic. And that is, of course, I want to revisit the dynamics of the Arizona Cardinals and the 2019 NFL Draft and the impact that that is going to have on the Dolphins and their landscape. So if you're just getting caught up, if you don't follow the draft like I do on a daily basis, uh, it may come as a bit of a surprise to you that the Arizona Cardinals, who last year traded up in front of the Miami Dolphins with the 10th overall pick from 15 with the Oakland Raiders in order to draft Josh Rosen with the 10th overall pick, make sure Miami didn't, uh, is now going to be drafting Kyler Murray with the first overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. And there's a litany of reasons and motivations behind that pick. None of them really rooted in strong football sense, but that's okay. Uh, It's their team. They can choose to do whatever they want to do. So the ramifications here obviously being you're guaranteeing a quarterback is going early in the board. You're putting stress on the teams that are in front of the Dolphins, like the Giants and the Broncos and the Bengals, to draft a quarterback if they want one of these quarterbacks. It puts stress on the Redskins to move up in the draft if they want a quarterback. And what is the effect for the Miami Dolphins? It kind of stems back to what we were talking about, talking about 2019 being a foundational year for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have done a really great job in recent years of scooping up these talents that kind of fall into the early teens. They did it with Laramie Tunsil. They did it last year with Minka Fitzpatrick. And the demand that the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray with the first overall pick and that impact on the quarterback class is going to make these conditions favorable for the same exact thing to happen again. Because Dwayne Haskins, what if he goes, what if Cincinnati takes Dwayne Haskins and Denver takes Drew Locke and the Giants want Drew uh, Daniel Jones? It, it's You've got three quarterbacks going in the first 12 picks, and I'll be the first to tell you, as a draft guy, none of these guys are any of the 12 best quarterbacks in the class or the best players in the class. Kyler Murray is my personal top quarterback, and I don't think he's a top 12 player. His impact is fascinating. His potential is mouthwatering, but is he a safe projection to the next level? Is he a clean projection? Is he somebody you feel really good about? Clearly Arizona does, but Arizona also has Cliff Kingsbury running the show over there, and he was running the offense at Texas Tech last year. So for the Dolphins, it's a very favorable setup for a potential blue-chip talent, whether it's a Ed Oliver or a Brian Burns or somebody else, to be in play for the Miami Dolphins. And that's, that's really fascinating stuff. That's really interesting stuff. And the reason this theory works is because three teams have been linked to the Cardinals and Josh Rosen as far as teams that have made some sort of offer to the Cardinals, even though Rosen's quote-unquote not for sale yet. The New England Patriots, please God, no. Don't let him go there. (laughs) He can go anywhere but New England. Because you know as soon as he goes to New England, Belichick's going to retire, Josh McDaniels is going to take over, and Rosen's going to have this massive resurgence with the Patriots after a troublesome rookie year with the Cardinals. 
The Giants, who have six, so they're picking in front of Miami. But as I said, I think they're more in play for a pass rusher. They traded Olivier Vernon this past offseason to the, uh, uh, the Cleveland Browns. So they've got glaring holes at right tackle and defensive end. They've got 17 as well, second first-round pick. Daniel Jones, David Cutcliffe-type guy, it's up their alley. The Giants probably aren't in play for quarterback at six, so they can still be in play for Josh Rosen, and it, it doesn't impact the Dolphins necessarily with the quarterback market in front because I don't think the Giants are in play anyway. And the Chargers, who I think is his best fit, L.A. kid went to UCLA, play with the Chargers, stay on the West Coast, live in L.A., um, be the heir apparent to Phillip Rivers. I like that connection a lot. And uh, if that were to manifest itself, the Chargers aren't picking till the 20s. So the trade of Josh Rosen isn't going to check one of the boxes for the quarterback-hungry teams in front, so it puts all the onus on the draft. So that these draft picks are going to facilitate quarterbacks going early which is perfect for the Dolphins because none of these guys, like I said, are guys that I would want to hitch my wagon to if I'm trying to plan out the, the future of the Miami Dolphins for the foreseeable future. But enough about future quarterbacks. Let's talk about past quarterbacks and almost past quarterbacks. Talking about Matthew Stafford. Uh, Armando Salguero dropped a report earlier in the week, uh, suggesting that the Dolphins and Adam Gase specifically had reached out to new head coach Matt Patricia around this time last year, inquiring if Patricia was interested in moving on from Matthew Stafford. Uh, This is a really interesting story, a story that got pushed back from like a lot of different places, including the Lions specifically, saying, no, that, that was never really a real conversation. Apparently it was just you know, Gase and Patricia having a, a verbal exchange and it came up. So not a real negotiation per se, but it's fascinating that Adam Gase, who his tenure with the Dolphins will be defined by this reluctance to bring in any legitimate competition for Ryan Tannehill, uh, was interested in getting involved with a veteran quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who is a really accomplished passer in the pros. He's passed for over 5,000 yards in a single season. He would have been 30 years old this past year playing for Miami if Miami would have successfully been uh, able to make a trade for him. And the expense would have been something along the lines of the first-round pick is the starting point, according to the report from Armando Salguero. So Minka Fitzpatrick would not be on the team, but... Matthew Stafford would be. And let me ask you a question, a single question. Is there a more Mike Tannenbaum move than trading for Matthew Stafford? And listen, if the Dolphins get Stafford, they probably win nine games. They probably win two more games than what they did, assuming they won all their other games. Matthew Stafford's a much better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Now, financially, the team would be wrecked. But you mean to tell me that if the Dolphins don't go 9-7, and seven, the Dolphins suddenly don't keep Adam Gase, they don't keep Mike Tannenbaum, 
And then the Antonio Brown nonsense happens. You mean to tell me that they wouldn't trade for Antonio Brown too? If the Dolphins would have pulled this off and Mike Tannenbaum would still be here, this team would be royally screwed down the road as far as the cap implications and the financial situation. But they would have totally gone out. They would have let Juwan James walk because he had to. They would have restructured and reworked people's signing bonuses. And you, know, you think the cap situation's bad now? Imagine three years from now if the Dolphins would have successfully landed Matthew Stafford, won a couple extra games, and then traded for Antonio Brown. Dolphins totally, Tannenbaum totally would have traded their first round pick this year for Antonio Brown if he was still in the building which would have been a nightmare because as explosive as that would have been, Adam Gase couldn't handle personalities at all. And now Gase is in New York, and he's got to play under the the scrutiny of the New York media. And Le'Veon Bell signed there for this big contract, and that's an interesting science project that Jets have going there. But uh, just really interesting to think about some of the dominoes for uh, the Dolphins if – this would have materialized the way Adam Gase apparently envisioned that it would have to trade for Matthew Stafford. That implication probably brings Gase back, brings Tannenbaum back. A lot to think about, a lot to dominoes. But Gase's tenure here in Miami is defined as the failure to take the quarterback to the next level, right? Ryan Tannehill was promising for 13 games, 12 and a half games. Gets hurt. Matt Moore goes 2 and 1, gets into 10 and 6. They go to the playoffs, they lose. Tannehill injures his ACL the following summer in training camp, misses the entire 2017 season. The Dolphins should have brought somebody in that first offseason. They didn't. They brought in Jay Cutler because they had to. They should have brought somebody in the second season. They didn't. It was Brock Osweiler. Gase was so content with what he had, and we just kind of wrote it off and said, well, yeah, you know, the reports came out and said uh, that they wouldn't have really been interested in Josh Rosen if Josh Rosen was there at 11, but they like Josh Allen. Apparently they like Matthew Stafford. So Gase is kind of bucked the the assumption that he was complacent with the quarterback position, I think they just were too lax. And then Ross asked them at the end of the year, are you willing to, to stick around for the sake of continuity while we tear this down? And, and Gase kind of turned his nose up at it, and that's why he's in New York. Already has a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, and that, that team is going to look to win now. And um, they have some some new pieces there. They obviously have Gase. Uh, they have the third overall pick in the draft, but then they don't have a second. They lost their second in the trade to go get Sam Darnold last year. So the Jets are either going to have to get creative or they're going to get one opportunity to get a difference maker in this year's draft and then hope for the best as far as what the board looks like when they're on the clock again. Hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode a fin it to win it. Like I said, it was a really busy week. It started slow. You know, at Dolphins Wire for USA Today, I'm responsible for writing six posts a day. And uh, Monday, Tuesday, whew, brother, it was real rough coming up with six topics. 
but uh, we we really picked things up in the back half of the week. The uh, the Matt Stafford story dropped, I believe, on Tuesday afternoon, and then the league meetings. Each one of our our three headed you know, leadership of of Ross uh, Greer and Brian Flores did interview sessions with the media at the league meetings really opened up some interesting talking points, some more things that we can talk about down the road as well. And then of course the, uh, the, the draft implications and what it's starting to look like for Miami as they look and, and shift their eyes forward. So a lot of great stuff to look forward to. Make sure you swing over to dolphinswire.usa today. Let me try that again. Make sure you swing over to dolphinswire.usatoday.com for all of your daily dolphin information. And make sure you hit subscribe right here on Finit to win it. We're having a really good time. This is one of our uh, first five episodes still, so we're still new. But business is starting to pick up, so you want to make sure if you want to listen through all of the weekly happenings for the Dolphins, this is your place to do it. I am Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, if you'd so please, at Grinding the Tape. Always watching some tape. And after the draft, it's going to be time for some Dolphins tape, which I'm really excited about. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Hope to talk to you again next week.